1: I really thought
0: Oklahoma I was like, I was <laughs> I
1: was yeah, wow, the right kids oh, are yeah. back around. you to crazy.
0: I just
1: <mean, hums> a
0: I'm not holding
1: a shoe shop in I'm not holding a shoe
0: shop there. i I'm not holding I'm not i do not love a I'm not I'm not I'm not not a I'm not I'm not I'm I'm
1: Everyone, please make your way to the auditorium right now, auditorium right now. Everyone make your way
0: to the auditorium right now. Question and answers, let's go. Yeah, uh-huh. i It's <laughs> like a world as going It's so crazy. No one a few guys. They're all happy
1: It's the only time you guys like a lot of guys like, shit.
0: Oh, I'm <coughs>
1: I'm so scared, I don't know that.
0: be Torah, outside of Eretz Yisrael, outside of the uh, New York metropolitan area,
1: <laughs>
0: and bring Torah to uh, a level it hasn't been at in, uh, in the greater Silver Spring area. Uh, personally, I've been a Talmud of Rav Lopiansky from the time I was a teenager, reading his uh, articles under a pen name in the Jewish Observer uh, for many, many years. He's published Sepharim, whether it's yesod torah on the major Rishonim Arshios HaShavuah, or Tefillah LaMoshe, which is the commentary of all the Rishonim on on the Siddur, or Time Pieces, which are articles about the depths of the Moadim and different topics in Hashkafa, or the sitter Elios Eliyahu, which is a sitter according to the Mishnaburah, the Gra Mohameduyak, or Lopiansky. it's not for me to say, but he's an Isha Ashkolos, he's involved in many, many different areas, and perhaps, most of all, at least for our purposes today, he is one of the foremost spokesmen or expositors of Torah Hashkafa, explaining what the Torah has to say on many different important topics that are very often controversial nowadays. Not that they should be, but they are. Today is an excellent opportunity for us to be able to hear the Rosh Yeshiva. If anybody is interested in uh, the Yeshiva of Greater Washington, which could be an excellent option. We had one guy last year, Stephen Cohen, who went after Pesach, who learned uh, for his man, uh, you can certainly speak to Rabbi Yitzchak to the Rosh Hashiva afterwards, but uh, hopefully this will be a great opportunity to hear Divrei Torah and uh, hear the answers to some of the most important questions that a lot of you submitted. And uh, if there's even the, a few more questions, it's a great zuchus for us because it's the first time, every other speaker has been here before, it's the first time we get to hear uh, Rabbi Lopiansky here in Reishit, so uh, it's our great cover. Hopefully it's actually... <coughs> Um,
2: it is, it it is a a, a very unique opportunity for me. Um, as I said, I grew up on the Lower East Side, with the the door before. I just met uh, Rabbi Marcus Senior, and I remember him vaguely as growing up as a child. And it's kind of very moving for me to see, um, you know, t- to see things back again from where we grew up. Um, we did have a wonderful Talmud who's. Awesome, lower side, I don't know if it's any coincidence, but Steve Cohen did come and uh, we still have a very strong Kesher, and um, it's it's very nice to, to look around, to see a group of intelligent Mavakshim, um, people that want, they're interested. So we'll, I'll speak a few minutes about something in the parish I think is relevant, and then we'll discuss things that you have an interest in discussing. It says, there's a Chazal over here, Rabbah says that Moshe Rabbeinu, saw the Jews working hard and he was massacring Shabbos for them. He made a Shabbos for them. That's the Chazal medrash. So, first of all, I mean, it's nice that Mahesh made that. It's believed that Paro went along with it. I don't think Mahesh sent a Kol Kore to Paro and said from now on there's going to be Shabbos and Paro just signed up on it. So, obviously, it didn't really free them from work. So what was the point of it? So a Shabbos that you can't keep in any sense of the word, I, I'm sure that the work went on 24-7 like it was supposed to be. Well, what's the point of that Shabbos? The, um, the, uh, I'd like to bring in another point. This is, the Tzfasemes makes this point. He brings it from his grandfather, Chedush Rim, but it's, uh, he, it's, he says it very, very briefly way which is normal for the Fasemis but I'll try to explain it a bit he says it says (laughs) Va'yomas Melch Mitzrayim Melch Mitzrayim died Va'yon Chubnay Yisrael and Kal Yisrael groaned it would appear that when a king dies and you and you um, and and you finish there'd be a pause it's, it, I mean, why did it get worse? Maybe the new king made things worse. But you expect that when you're sitting shiva, the old king, or whatever they sat, 30 days, 40 days, it'd be a little easier. I mean, the death. Of the, even if you tell me that the new king, one that made it harsher, but well. the, the their groaning, the reason to be to be upset, sh- shouldn't be because the old king died. That's that's what the tradition um, addresses. So I'm going to try to bring out the point that he says, and, and I think it's a very important point in understanding the whole concept of Avdus. When we ask ourselves, what is the issue with slavery? What, what, was, what was it about that made the gullus so profound? And the answer is that When you enter, it doesn't say, we have a lot of horror stories in the Medrash. But, without the horror stories, as it says in Chumash, they worked very hard. It says, Vaya'anu, without being specific, but they worked very hard. What exactly was that about? And the answer is, the, the worst thing you can do to a person, the thing that will rob him of any hope, Of any semblance of humanity is when you spin him into a cycle of work that he has no time to think. When you have no time to think about yourself then basically you're never going to change because you are what you are and without the person's das, without the person's mind and sense of self, the person is never ever going to change the worst part about a slave is not the work that he does but the inability to have the time to be on top of himself and therefore when the Jews worked in Mitzrayim they were robbed of any chance to change, better themselves, or even to David, because they were being spun, yes they worked very hard, very long hours and therefore, there was no time for themselves. So, the Chidusharim says that when, they, when the old king died, there was a pause, and that's when they recognized how difficult this situation was. It's like sometimes, God forbid, when you have somebody who's very sick, and you're so busy with all the medical things and, and running and so on and so forth, you don't even have time to sit and think. I mean, I was an oval for my mother, La Shalom, um, I finished my year a few months ago and the, the experience is when, while things are going on, you're so busy with things it's only when you sit back and think a moment that you actually begin to <coughs> sense the emotions understand, try to grab what happened. So, Adaraba yes, when the king died things loosen up a bit. The old king died, the new king hasn't really started yet and that's why Bnei Yisrael Bnei Yisrael were the ones that groaned at that time because of, it wasn't because the work got harder, but because they had a minute to think about where they had come to, what has become of them, and, and how terrible their matzah really is. Th- th- their life has been robbed of any sense of tachlis and so on and so forth. He says it in the Pasuk, HaMotzias Sivlos Mitzrayim. He's taken you out. Sivlos, not the Lushna of suffering, but the Lushna of tolerance. Like today we speak a lot about Sablanut, <coughs> about, about uh, uh, tolerance. The fact that they tolerated situation and were okay with it. Yes, we work and we work and we work and work. That was the, the point of it. So avdus means when a person is working and there is no moment of being able to use das on top of himself. That is avdus, and that's the most profound tragedy that happens to a person because he cannot um, ever express his humanity. I want to bring a halacha. Halachically, Havadim, slaves, have interesting distinctions from them and Goyim. They are Hayabis a mitzvah, they're almost like half Jews. So, so in some ways an Evet is closer to being a Jew. He's had Tvila, Mila, he's had different different things for, for Avdus. But in one area they are profoundly worse than a than than a, uh, a, a either a Goy or a Jew. A Jewish child is Jewish. A Kanani child is Kanani. They belong to their father, they have a father halachically, and they sort of carry on halachically. All the halachas that apply to Amoni and Mo'avi apply to their sons. An Eved's child is not his child. It's like you know, if he becomes a Jew, if he had children, he kind. So why is it that an Eved has mitzvahs like a Jew, like a Jewish woman, he's half Jewish in some ways and yet when it comes to having children he's worse than us before and the answer is a child is an expression of yourself. If you have no self you have no children. You, 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 you building a child as more than just a biological accident of yours it means that you are a person who is now moving a generation ahead. An Eved, because he's locked into a cycle of no das, no time to think, no ability to think for himself, is robbed of that. I want to sort of, you know, I I don't want to sound very old and speak of the old days, the new days, and so on. But I I want to think a minute or two about something incredible that's happened to us. We have non-observant Jews and Goyim Who close their cell phones on Shabbos? I I, I use the word cell phone. I don't know what it's called today. Smartphone is probably also dated. Whatever it is, they close their technology on one day a week because they need to get away from it. And we have Jewish people who are normally observant who can't get away from it. So who's the Eved and who's the Ben Chori? Who, if if, 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 if I cannot think for myself (coughs) by myself? If I cannot be by myself, then I'm chained. That's Avdus. An Evid, there is no distinction whether an Evid has an easy job, a pleasant job, or a difficult job. An Evid is an Evid because he has no time to free up his das and his thinking and to be on top of himself. He doesn't control his life, he's controlled. If we cannot live without constantly communicating with somebody (coughs) else, So, is that a product of our decision, or is our decision a product of somebody else's decision? And it's something that we need to ask ourselves, you know, people talk a lot about the bad things on, 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 on you know, the internet whatever it is. That's, there was always bad things. In my days, you had to take the subway down to Times Square to, to, to be able to get some really bad things, and everybody knew where to buy magazines. Every door has its its a hurry. But the idea that you can actually take time for yourself, and you're not bound, I think is the challenge of our generation. The Vayi'onchum that so happened, a person can change and a person can take charge of his life when he has a life, when, when he breaks. And that's why Shabbos, you know, Baruch Hashem, when I was growing up, and probably Rabbi Marcus can remember even more than that, Shmir Shabbos was still a challenge. When I was already at the cusp where I was beginning where, where basically, it, you know, a, a weekend was this, was the norm. Shabbos was was becoming much less of a challenge that I remember. But but tachlis. Um, so we have today halachically observing Shabbos, but but not understanding if if we don't disconnect in terms of what we think about, talk about. Everyone in his own in his own way to find that area where you can disconnect and say, okay, let me think about life, self, people, relationships, values, all these things, it's very hard when you're caught up in a job and, you, and you're doing an important job, and successful you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're running a biz- business, D- those things do demand time and energy and, and, and thought. And, and you're doing your work well if you sink yourself into it. But if you, if you sink totally, you stop existing. Shabbos is a time that was given so that we can deal, we can be on top of ourselves um, in Baruch Hashem, this is, you know, none of us are still are, are yet involved in any type of <coughs> job we're all standing still before our, our career but if we stop making our Shabbosim by understanding the idea of drawing back into yourself a bit the idea of, of using time to think about important things, to learn about important things, to, to, to develop a self, it'll serve us very well in, in the years to come, because of, of all the mitzvahs that um, that Moshe Rabbeinu felt was important to enact the mitzvah, so he may not have been able to get a Shabbos where it won't work, but a Shabbos that they can sort of draw back and think that's what he tried to do. So, having said that, I, I, I think in many ways this is, this type of Shemir Shabbos is the challenge of our generation and it's a very critical challenge. Halachically, it, you know, Dabba, Dabba is only speaking and if you're th- you allowed to think about other things, but the way we do it, we don't have a minute that we can call real Shabbos. And, and that's why it's the most important thing is to, to reclaim Shabbos, and reclaim ourselves in the process. <laughs> okay, um, Roshiva said it's probably they would like to have in some interactive, and I'd be very happy to...
0: A bunch of uh, guys submitted questions, so I'll just go through a few of them, if possible. And uh, if we have time, if anybody else has, uh, has questions. Uh, first question, can I go to my cousin's bar mitzvah in a reform temple? If yes, and they want to give me an aliyah, can I take it?
2: Okay, um, so, so let's, let's talk a little bit about, generally, the, the, the concept. There's a halakhic, there are halachic issues, and then there are quasi-halachic <laughs> issues. And, and let me explain the importance of both of um, them. There, you know, there are things that are specifically muta or asr. That's one part of it. The second question is, a person affirming things that are wrong is wrong. Hard to give, speci- yes there are specific cases, if a guy puts a gun and says are you murder in, in, in Avodah or not, you have to say no, but between that and th- there are many lesser cases. The problem is reform stands on ideas that are absolutely wrong wrong from every point of view of yiddishkeit and um, and any time for us to go and proactively affirm it is wrong I, I you know some people need to put everything in a halacha framework i, I think just the very fact you know the, the, the uh, if you're mastic of russia you're also russia if you if the gemara says in sota hanufa was when they told the grip you're okay you're one of us when he wasn't. He wasn't allowed Halakha to be a king. The fact that they affirmed his being a king was something that was wrong. So there is something very wrong to confirm things, to validate things that are wrong. So reform is based on something wrong. No belief in Akadosh Barucho really, or at least something that nobody knows what they believe in. Certainly no belief in Torah as divinely mandated, etc. Now, so, so one ought not to go into a reform temple, and so on. But, keeping family together and um, strong bias, stresses, strains are important pieces of the puzzle also. And on a specific issue, you need to ask somebody to weigh the two sides, to help you weigh the sides. On the one hand, you don't want to confirm uh, something that's valid, something that's wrong. On the other hand, um, keeping a family together, not creating unnecessary stresses, especially since many times the strong from party has a positive influence and is able to draw people in. So, on a sp- so ta- getting an aliyah, make that that's a shila of a bracha of a The kriya is probably not a kriya. I don't think you know there may not be ten men there. It's it's everything about it. They may not, you know, making a bracha is a problem you'll probably get away without making a bracha in, in over there. and But on the other hand, um, you, you need to take into account the broader effects. So one more point is important. If you're an important rav and you're going in says, well, this rav attended and obviously it's not so bad, that's also a big difference who you are and what statement it is publicly. So, on, so, so I would go as follows. In halachic issues, the Ali itself might be problematic and that you definitely should stay away from. You probably could mutter a few words, you know. To, I don't think anybody would know the difference if you said Shemashem, you didn't say Shemashem. If push came to shove, you could do something about that. The attending itself, if given choices, you certainly should not. But if there's important issues like family issues, you need to ask somebody to help you weigh the issue and and, and and help you decide, you know, how important. How much stress will it put on the family issues, on the family dynamics, and, and, and what are you doing exactly over there in, in participating?
0: Just following up on the yes. point about an important rub, how do I know who's an important rub, or how do I know which rabbi to trust? Like, one, one rabbi says it's okay to interpret parts of the Torah and as an allegory, and another says it's literal, or one rabbi says you can go mix swimming, another rabbi says no. How do we know who's real, who's not real? How do we determine?
2: So let's give an analogy to something else as a problem. I mean, people who have severe medical issues. I, I, I was recently someone called me. They they, they need some connection in Washington. It's a woman whose husband is very very ill, and um, you know. And, and as, as I talked, this woman kept talking and telling me. I, I, I vaguely know them. It, it's like this doctor said this, the other doctor said that. This one says this, this one is this, this and so And and it's like at some point she she's collapsing under the weight of conflicting medical advice um, you're a layman and you, every doctor said something else and someone else and so on, and so on. So what do you do? and the answer is you start from someone you have a personal trust in. At the end of the day um, everybody who is here in Yeshiva has, and is staying here, <coughs> and he feels that Taurus Emes is being given has a starting point he has a Rebbe that over a year or two has learned to trust, has learned to feel that what he's teaching is authentic and so on. Let him recommend the next person. In other words, just like your family doctor, who you've known for 30 years, you trust, you feel he's highly intelligent, you feel he cares for you, you feel he knows something about medicine. Hopefully, if you've been there 30 years, you really gotta have a good reason to be his patient if he doesn't know about medicine. So you really, and you ask him, tell him and, and, and so on. There's a, there's, a, there's a Russian in, in the in the um, Gemara, mitivon krovim, atamakir tivon From the people you know, you know what's, what's the truth about the others. Um, incidental, cute anecdote. I don't know if many people heard there was a, there was a Russian one of the one of the founders of the Russian Malchut movement. His name was Elia Essas. I was fortunate, I have a lot of contact with him now, Zapier and so on, he's a highly intelligent person, and he became more well, in the 70s. And uh, communism was extremely anti-Zion, anti-Israel, anti-Jewish, anti-Semite, the whole thing, they checked check the whole list, uh, They everything anti that we stand for, they were, they were, they were anti. So he would be pro-Israel, and, it would, and people would tell him, didn't you see the newspaper, kind of terrible things, Israel did this and that The newspaper is called Pravda, which is the truth. So, Eliyahu would say to them, okay, there's, there's a section for foreign news and a section for local news, domestic news. Tell me, what do, you think, th- th- what do you think of this section on domestic news? It's a bunch of lies. They say there's plenty of food, there's plenty of money, there's plenty of this that. It's Shekeh he says, so that you know for sure, why would you assume the foreign news is more true than the domestic news? Like, like why don't you just learn me Tivan Shal Krovna, me Tivan So, if you have a, a Rav, a person that you want to trust, he will move you, and basically, and if you, fa- if you haven't found that, then you need to find that. At the end of the day, it's going to be your decision. But one thing is very important to bear in mind. HaKadosh Baruch does not hold us accountable for intellectual mistake in other words, if we chose Rav Aleph, who we thought comes very credited and in Shemayim they think Rav Beis is the better Rav, they're not going to hold us responsible, what they will hold us responsible is, if we chose Rav Aleph, because what he preaches is more comfortable than Rav Beis I like his halacha because he has a lot more things that he like thinks are kosher than the other one it's, it's much easier to eat out with Disarov's approach to life than the other ones. That and Shemayim, they don't look so fair with them. You have to ask yourself, who as a person seems to be honest? Who as a person, what's the peer review? the same way like medicine. There are doctors who know better than else, and they don't have great peer review, but, but that's a Mi'uta, to Mi'uta. You want to know, what do other people think about him? What impression do you have? Do you feel this Taurus, MS do you feel he, his own personal stature is... is, a, is I, no, nobody's a Malach hashem focus, but somebody who has that. Use your intuition honestly. Who's a person that you feel is an Ishalokim? Who's a person that you feel um, is, is, is trying to hard to do what's right? Who do other people seem to have a consensus that he's a good person, a Hasha person? And, and, and which therapy you feel you click in. Those are the points to bear in mind.
0: Again, another question on the topic of and What made Revan Leib Steinman so great? And why are there Chassidim here in Beit Shemesh who are happy that he passed away?
2: <laughs> Maybe this one question answers the other one. You know, <laughs> like the... Um, okay, so, so really there are two separate topics. One is a little bit Revan Leib Steinman, and, and how does the selection process for Gdolim work? Um, and, you know, it's, it's it, it, these the, the cynics always say that it's the newspaper <coughs> editors that decide who the next girl is going to be, whose picture gets in, whose title, and so on. Baruch Hashem is blessed with cynicism and cynics, and that's... If I, to, if I were to look and ask myself, from Rav Shach, to Rav Steinman to Rabel Yashiv, I think the common denominator of, the, of them was people who are very chashev in Torah, that's a given, but it wasn't a contest of who's the biggest genius. It was somebody that there was a sense of emiss for the person, someone that there was a sense of he's genuine to himself and to others. Um, one of our only statements. Let me tell you a little anecdote. He, when he went to America, he needed somebody to help him and took a volunteered, and he asked the first one, "Why do you want to come along?" want to go to America? He said, I want to see the great Kavad Torah that they're going to give the Rav. It's very chasher it's very to have to see Kavad Torah." He asked the segment. why do you want to go? He said, I never was an American I'd like to see it. He says, you're coming with me because you're honest. The, 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 you know, it, it's that you feel is there any way to measure it objectively? No. But when you're in the presence, you know, I've, I went in a few times around on Steinman his asceticism wasn't just that he tortured himself. There was a simplicity and a simple emiss. And any time somebody, you could see, he, he never said something that was contrived, never said something that was playing for the audience, never cared much about what the audience thought. He would give out money, you know, people sent him stucker monies, he would give out to people that wrote terrible screens against him, and he knew that. And he, and he said, you know, I'm a garbage Stalker. it has nothing to do with what that person does to me or whatever it is. Acting as a garbage sucker, I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, the money is an escrow by me, and, and I'm a nehemon. It has nothing to do with me personally. That type of thing. Rebel Yashiv, people knew him. Rabbi you you got the sense of him that he approached the halachas straightforward, and he approached a life situation straightforward, and there was nothing. There was a sense of that emis that's very hard to put uh, to, to put a finger on, and people around him felt it, and that's why he was so. Um, accepted. Um, the the, the Hasidim will rejoice and so on. Unfortunately, let, let's, let me explain to you what I think is valid and what's not valid. People could oppose him extremely much and that's the Akhoshal Torah. Um, there, there are people who brought up the Shittah that being that anything in Israel, the, the, the sort of, um, the government the state was created by people that were, most of them were non-religious, there was a fight with them, in other words, we, we can't have anything to do with it. That's part of the shita, and Rev Staman was a very pragmatic person. He felt there's a need to be a lot more flexible, there's a need to be a lot more, for the needs of the Haredi community. We need to be able to offer different options, he had, as, as much as he himself was an ascetic and Kulokodesh, Kodesh, he had an understanding that a tzibur needs to have a lot more flexibility. Even vis-a-vis the government, the, the general attitude of the Shivas was you, you try to work together with. There are many issues that when you print them on press and in the public eye, there's a storm. On a private level, you're able to reach a reasonable compromise and get along. So that was, that was the general derech of the Shiva world, the liturist Shiva world. The Hungarians and some of the Hungarian world were extremely um, antagonistic. That was the ashita, that was the mahalach. Um, and it's something that I think is important to learn something to life. Many of the Satme Hasidim that you see looking violent, not looking violent, acting violently, and kind of saying despicable things and so on, on a personal level, many of them are very kind people, when it comes to whole of things like that. It's part of their mentality that there is no compromise with something that's Sheker, and all the way, no, you know, Milcham Hashem. Very much not my world, I, you know, I can't relate to that part. But, but at least, and, and every group has unfortunately, it's Meshacham, I, I want to tell you something. There are every so often cases where McNachlim stone an ambulance, get into a fight with Israeli soldiers. It's the same type of personality. No Sechel and all heat and all passion. Exactly like we spoke about Avdus. A Kanoi who has Sechel and is able to say, I will go to the end controlled by what Das tells me, that's a person that's, that, that you can admire, you can disagree 100%, but you can admire it. Um, I'll tell you something I saw myself. There were two leaders of the Nturikata when I came to Yeshiva. One of them was named Amram Blau. Um, and I was once walking Friday night in Shem, and a poor Chiloni fellow made a wrong turn, and his car ended up in Shem on Friday night. There was immediately a huge crowd, and it kind of looked a bit like a lynch mob. The guy walked out of the car, he was pale. And, and someone brought Amram Blau down. Amram Blau was a real tzaddik. Real Kanoi, real tzaddik. He, 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 had, he had presence and warmth. The guy went out of his car, Raman B'lau put his hand around him and took him up to his house for kolo. I saw it with my own eyes. And Raman B'lau was a warm person, a tzaddik, a was wi- He was willing not to burn a bus down for Shabbos, but to lay himself down in front of a bus and be run over for Shabbos. Huge difference in those two type of persons. You can disagree with the second one, can say that's not the dare to do it, but you admire the emis and the fact that he's not allowing it to spill over. <coughs> one more word about kanoz without sechum without das. Chaznish has a letter, it's printed down the third chaylik, where the kanoim in Yerushalayim asked him to join as something or other. Doesn't say what, you know, whenever you see a, a, an answer, you just see the answer to the question. And he says, the heart of every God-fearing Jew resonates with your call. But, I'm somebody who's learned Torah through such difficulties, I've learned to use my sechel to weigh right and wrong. And my sechel totally disagrees with you. And therefore, I can't have anything to do with it. Very, very important to understand. People should feel... Very hurt by Chol Shabbos. People should never let emotions, whether it's the narot of the gvaot, the of the gvaot, it, it, whether it's the people in Meir it's the people in Isufa. You can agree a hundred percent. You can disagree a hundred percent with Steiman, and that's perfectly legitimate. And you could feel what he's doing is a danger for Chizkai Yisrael. It's a legitimate stance until you start giving out candies. On, on when he dies. Then you become a, a branch of Hamas. That's the difference between between the two. Yeah?
0: Why is there always such an emphasis on learning Torah as opposed to other mitzvos? And why is there such a focus on Gemara when there are so many other and subjects within Torah to be studied?
2: Okay, so the first, the answer to the first one, why learning or anything else, is, is really And again, I'm I'm at the end of, I came at the end of that generation, but, uh, Marcus is from that, from I don't want to say how old, but a a half a generation ahead. Um, When I was growing up, people's attitude was, or or really before, was as follows. In Europe, everybody was God-fearing, you know, everybody in the shtetl was God-fearing, kept mitzvahs, the shul, the rav, the community was the bastion of Yiddishkeit. Everybody went to cheder, learned the minimal amount. At Bar Mitzvah, most kids went to work. the brilliant Elohim, went to learn and everything. So in America, we'll do the same thing. We'll have a wonderful shul, build beautiful shuls, got Chashver Abbanim, had a little Talmud Torah on the side to, to sort of supplement the cheder stuff. And the kids will grow up to be as Jewish as they were in Europe. And it failed miserably. Every community that had a beautiful shul and no school, it doesn't exist anymore. The shuls are landmarks, and the, 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 there are no Jews left in that community. Go through the South. The South was notorious for it. City after city has these beautiful shuls, and zero in terms of Yiddishkeit. The yeshivas changed the map. And the, and the reason is, of course, today we are people who have the time, thank God, and ability to learn. The, 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 the Polish peasant didn't go to school either. So everybody, everybody worked as a, as a tailor, a cobbler, a farmer, a peasant, except for a small percentage. So, so there was no competition. But if you're studying for, it used to be you know, for 12 grades, and now it's college is, is, is as ubiquitous as high school was, and graduate school is, is the norm now, there's no way that you can understand things in, in an intelligent way from a perspective of secular world and still be a practicing Jew when you don't have that same level of standing when it's not something coming from an, a, 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 um, a Kesha Nafshi something that you don't have a clear intellectual understanding as, as, the, as, the, as you know, compared to what you have from the secular world there's no way in today's educated society that if you're not educated Jewishly, and educated means, in my mind, the level that you attain in a secular world, you need to attain in this world. You can't end with a high school Jewish education, and have a graduate school secular education, and expect them, in a in, a, in an internal way. Yes, you may belong to the Orthodox community and sort of keep along because you like it, but down deep there's a hollow feeling that you'll intellectual experience with Judaism was as a high school senior and we all know the intellectual experiences of high school seniors and, and, and where, where you have a doctor to something else and they're competing it's not a competition. Gemara as opposed to other things so um, let, let's, let's, let me give you two leads as to why I think it's important um, yes that has been the classic case that Gemara was given the vast majority of it For whatever reason it is, most people become absorbed emotionally and intellectually when they're fighting out a sugya. When you get into a sugya, you you argue it, you come to the point, it's hard to know why, but it's something that absorbs the entire person. And and the person will be a very enthusiastic Jew, even if he can't put into words. I'm not saying that it doesn't need to be able to put your moon into words, but time and again, there's something about Gemara that absorbs the person and is able to bring out an emotional high that that is incomparable. Anybody who's passed a certain stage in Gemara where he's comfortable enough, he can figure out the sugya himself a bit. He can argue on the points of the sugya, finds that that involves him. So, one reason is just empirical evidence, kind of, this is where way it's... It. A second area, and I think this is very important. Torah should not be treated as a philosophy. In philosophy, it's what I think, what you think, what he thinks. Everyone's got their own philosophy. There's no real way you can argue points in philosophy. But it's an idea, it's an ideal, it's not a reality. Gemara treats halacha as a reality. If it's also, why does this person say it's mutta? How could it be this if this? In another place, we say this. There's something about it that turns religion into a science. In other words, we're dealing with things that are emiss. Shabbos is Shabbos. So, what din is this halacha? What din is that halacha? It, it, it sort of, you become used to thinking of it not as, well, Shabbos is a noble thing. It brings the family together. It's a beautiful event, and so on. It gives you a sense of breast tacks. It gives you a sense of a science to it. And that's why in terms of what it imparts to you, you may not see it, a Musa Shmuz might be inspirational for the moment, but what gives you a sense of reality to halacha is this type of Shaka in where you treat it as, as a metzias, not as a, as, as a beautiful idea. What we have, the world is divided, the world of knowledge or thinking is divided between ideals and reality. Science deals with reality, a liberal arts deals with ideals. Liberal <coughs> arts are negotiable. Science is not negotiable. And that's to give that type of sense, Gemara is by far superior than what we would call Maheshava philosophy. Can I ask,
1: can I ask a question? For, sure. Shiva? Um, I just want to ask two questions that I feel are, are burning in the last, a what? It, are burning in the hearts of many of the Talmudians in the last, uh, last week or so. Um, the first question is heard the shmooz from the Rosh Hashim. I don't think he wants um, to, to ask such a question, but about shovavim. We yeah. had the uh, on of uh, Shabbos about at the beginning, of Shmerzah Brzez, Shmerzah Right. and uh, I, I think that many of the, that there have been some questions about the notion of being Shomer Brzez and Shomer Naim, um, where they say science maybe tells us it's healthy, or, or it's not, you know, the, the Torah seems to be curbing something which is not, and, and maybe that's damaging in the long run. And I think the, the more deep underlying question is, there's a strong sense of guilt which is connected to something which many, many people can't help. And the question is how to deal with that on a personal level. That is, that is question one. Wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean, you need a fire extinguisher, so much is burning in everybody's yeah. heart, you, you're going to need a... Honestly, uh,
1: yes. <laughs> yes, and, and, and what yes. else is burning? And, and secondly, in terms of Twilver, and many people feel that they spend a long time, I had two or three discussions yesterday with Batman about this, that you for, 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 for something, and doubting for something, and doubting for something, and sincerely, really, and the Twilvers aren't answered the boy said to me I just feel like there's no more personal kesha, no more personal relationship with Hashem, it's like he's not, he's not answering my feelings. I think those two questions are very are burning.
2: Okay, so let's talk about it. I, I'm, I'm glad you bring it up. So l- let's talk about the first, they're obviously quite separate issues. Let's talk about the first issue first. First, whenever people tell you science says something and it's about psychology, Psychology is an exquisite mix of facts, theories, and philosophies. In other words, psychology, it, 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 what, the more technical it gets, the more it's factual. There are things that you can bring data about certain things, studies. Interpretation of studies are tricky, and, and really tricky, and, and you know, that it's a shifting And then down at the bottom, psychology, someone posed once the following question. You have two Nazi gods in in, in Auschwitz. One of them suffers from nightmares, guilty conscience, trouble, just is falling apart emotionally. And the other one is, eats and drinks and fresses and is, is a happy person. Who's the psychological bastard case? Well, it depends um, where you're coming from. If you're a German medical officer, the, the, the second guy is wonderful, the first guy needs help, he's mentally ill. If you're not a Nazi, if you're an American, say the, the second guy is a psychopath, <coughs> and the first guy is a healthy individual reacting the way a healthy individual with traumatic suggestions like this. So, so I'm very wary about it. Let's look a little bit at what the Torah Shkaf is. Let, let's, let's step away from Shmir Sabris. A person is married. It is nonsense that if a person finds the most attractive woman in the world that he's mad in love with, he's not going to want a different woman also at some point. If you let your body roam freely, it will do what all the important people in America are now, you know, are being exposed to doing. The, the body knows nothing but Taiva and no matter how wonderful, it's like a, like a meal. The best cake in the world, if you have to eat it twice a day, will, imme- will soon become quite um, tasteless and, and worse, um, you, you're not going to want it. And you want whatever is on the other side of the table, whatever's on the counter. So a person has himself strong sexual drive. Letting it run your life means there are no other values. The loyalty you expect at home, that even that if you married a woman who's your partner for life and, and you're doing something, the fact that all of a sudden physically you found somebody else more attractive, which will always be the case, is, is can't be the answer. It can be the answer if you say, okay, marriage is, is not current, kids is not current, we have too many people in the world, so no kids, marriage is, is an anachronism, and just mate with whatever you feel like. Well, the next step is, Try to get your hands on whatever you feel like, whether they like it or not. It's something that takes the person and turns him into a slave to his titus. And, you know, sexual addiction is one of the addictions. So we need to ask ourselves, our Kodesh Baruch created us in a certain way. And every part of what he gave us is important. We don't have any extra extra organs, we don't have any extra drive, (laughs) we have nothing extra. What we do need to have is the Seichel controlling and directing every single part of ourselves. Let's take an example. A person who has no appetite will die. I have, I have a, a cousin of mine whose child was born, wonderful child, I mean he's now a grown-up person, married, and he didn't have an appetite. He doesn't have an appetite. They, they, you know, for months he didn't eat, he looked like, got to be like him out of Auschwitz. They took him to all the doctors in America. He was an Israeli. Not, they couldn't do anything. At the end of the day, they just had to force him to eat. And that was that. But I remember seeing, I was sitting with his father, in the boy was eight or nine years old. He, it was At this time, he was very, you know, well-formed. Well he was thin, but, you know, okay. And he comes in and his father says, lech lechol. You, you have to go eat. He says, I know it was unfortunate, and yes, this kid asked, That's it. But, but God forbid, if, if we wouldn't have an appetite, we would die of starvation. I had a Rebbe of Zedel Epstein, who was very sharp witted it, and, and uh, he said, We have to thank Akarish Baruchu for the chesed of an appetite. Imagine if we wouldn't have an appetite. He said, our eating would look like our davening. We'd skip here and there, we would, we would eat a half a piece, we, we would die of starvation. That was his, uh, it was a kind of a acute uh, shtochat at uh, s- certain davening habits. Um, so our question, so, so when a person has an appetite for eating, we said to ourselves, it's wonderful. Now we, with our seichel, need to direct what we're gonna eat, when we're gonna, have to eat. Can we do it 100%? No, but, it, but a person knows that if he's not on top of what he's eating. And more than that, we try to generate a positive appetite for stuff that's good for us. You dress up the vegetables, you know, they have now my little kid, my grandchildren, Gan, said they have sukaryotmina minateva. They have like these little pickles and little tomatoes and sukaryot. Fine, you dress up the good stuff for you to, to, to taste good, to look good and so on. Sexual drive is the strongest drive we have. It's the drive that allows us to take another person, imagine there was no sexual child, you listen, Yankel. at the age of 20, 22, 23, you're gonna have to hook up with somebody else, support them financially for their lives, support them emotionally, bear children who you're gonna have to basically pay all your money for and to raise them, educate them, it, 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 take care of them and, 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 and so on. Um, How many would get married under those conditions? The answer is very, very few. HaKadosh Baruch gave us this extraordinary sexual drive and gratification, which cements that bond. So part of this picture is yes, the, the, the obligations and responsibility of marriage and an extraordinary physical pleasure that helps us bond. So a person who sits back and looks and says, okay, so, A, I need to, to understand the purpose of life is to raise a generation, to bond with a person in its own right. Lotovia sudden levado, a person who lives himself is a narcissist, whether he likes it or not, he does not become a good person. Even if I give a lot of stucca, but if I can shut my door and say, I'm not open to the public now, then, then, then I'm self-centered. Once a person gets married, there's no shutting the door. You are 24-7 on call, and when you have kids, you're 48-7 on call. That, that, that's the, you know, you, you, you start becoming individual. Our generation today where marriage has gone out the window, where marriage is anachronism, is an extraordinary, selfish generation. Because if you can't be on call 24-7, and if somebody else's problems are not your problems, you could be charitable, maybe, but not more than that. So our gave us marriage to bring the best out of us, to complement our shortcomings, to force ourselves to live with somebody else so that I know I need to compromise, and to bring children to the world where we infuse life in them physically, we we give them our values, and we carry on another generation. There is no more profound Jewish value than Dur Ladur. There's no translation in English for Dur Ladur. Nothing of it has that cling. There's no word for Nachas. In, 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 in English, because it doesn't exist. I have to have, yeah, great kid. Less, yeah, he called me last year Christmas and he told me that he's got a great job, really proud of the kid. You know, th- that's it. Well, I say, at every Simcha, you know, people get up and say, our family's tradition has been X, may these children carry it on for the next generation. That's what we want, that's what we expect. That's profound value and even people who are not even observing Mishpacha is, is a magic word Nachas is a magic word Doros is a magic word Those words ring well even with people who become very lax and observers because it's no so of value So I say to myself the word that's used for these areas is called khtusha. Khdushah does not mean prohibition, it means dedicated When a person takes uh, a, 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 an animal and says it is Kadosh it means it's dedicated to Hashem. A person takes stock of his body and he says this body has a purpose. And the purpose of, of, of the sexual drive is to create the strongest bond possible. If I dilute it by running after everything stray, then I'm diluting it. It's suffering because of it. Yes, it's, a, it's not an easy task and you will fail many times. But understanding the positive value, what I'm doing is I'm not landing prohibition on myself. Imagine a person can tell his wife, you're the only woman in the world that I ever touched. And you're the only one my physical relations are for you. I want to tell you something. I, you know, I come from a world where obviously even shaking a woman's hand is done rarely on, on, on the very, you know, the, the heta for it is the chuk in, 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 in my, my poskim and just about not. And every so often there is an uncomfortable question, confrontation, etc. And my answer is usually in our world, physical contact is preserved for one's spouse. It is a blind act of, of, of connection and it's reserved for a spouse. Most people respect that greatly because they understand that their spouses are not to be trusted. Most everybody understands that. Everyone understands the value of it. So if we look at Kedusha as a positive way to harness our physical drives and we understand, yes, we're going to fail a lot of times, but focus on what you achieve. And yes, there are things you can do that are not so oppressive. For instance, what you don't look at. You know, it's one thing when a person is aroused and so on. It's another thing, do I look for things to arouse me? What's the material I expose myself to? You know, what's the things I allow into my life? A person can make subtle changes that are very helpful in this area um, and, and understand the positive value of a marriage where you say I've cemented a relationship with this person, it's a unique relationship, it's a circle that includes only us two and it means I draw back in many ways from that type of relationship with other people. So I would impart a positive value to that. Are there any questions on this point before we go on to fill in fact that? Because it's, it's obviously an important thing. And are there anything <coughs> that people would like to discuss about this? Uh, can I throw open to the, the floor? Is it? Uh, are there people like? Yes. I, I
0: was like, I was not actually. Like, I was on a plane with some with a guy who wasn't so religious, and he was telling me about like, talking about the physical size. Like how are you supposed to? I mean, I don't think so much of a problem in our community. But how are you supposed to like know know somebody if you if you weren't like how you know that the person right for you if you weren't like physically? Uh, in contact with them, with them before it gets hard, tell you hard
2: to uh... Let me ask you something, you eat chant every week, you don't ask the girl to make chant for you, so to get a sense if you like her chant or not. And you know, the, the answer is, because most of the time, A, you want the physical contact, because you want physical contact, without the price of being married. You know, it, it's amazing that many people live together for years When they get married, they get divorced a year or two later. I'm always astounded by that statistic, that living years together does help. It also means, just like, let's take the same example. A person who's very overweight and needs to go on a diet, part of dieting is the psychological restructuring of what you're looking for, the gratification you're looking for. In the world of sexual gratification, you can say, anything I want, I need to have, or you can say, I train myself. So if you like a person, it's, so you certainly have to like the person. You have to be attracted to the person. But whatever it is in the in the world of physical contact, part of a job is to restructure. Not everything you want, the other person wants. That's part of a personal You're not the only person. So so just imagine a couple where one side wants to serve only what they like and don't the other side. It's it's a selfishness and it's not going to work. This area is not dissimilar. A person. The person's mind can shape what he needs for his gratification. And, and you know, people who are... Let's take an example, a, a person is a pedophile. He's naturally attracted to children. What you struggle to do is to try to retrain the person. I don't know how successful, but you say to the person, whatever your impulses are, but you cannot get the gratification of that. You're going to have to retrain yourself or just check out a society in a much less severe way people, part of, of Kedusha is to achieve a balance of gratification y- you don't need 100% of what you want you need to have what you need and understand that you're shaping your desires rather than desires shaping you other questions? Uh, can
1: you
2: take that a than offer? yes, um, let's talk about that also first thing is Someone was asking me, in a discussion group, about um, how to explain uh, homosexuality to um, the Torah's ban, to somebody who's not religious. I told them, impossible. I said, unless you share an axiom. If your only axiom for right or wrong is something that hurts another person, then anything two people consent is fine. What's wrong with adultery? If you have two couples who would like to share each other, what's the problem? There are no problems. If the only, in, in, if, if your mindset is there's no right and wrong, um, there's no right or wrong in, 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 um, in, in, in the world, except for that either physically hurt somebody, or you take advantage of somebody's weakness in terms of sexual relations, then there is no, I cannot explain it. The, the Torah starts, part of Torah is a hope. Part of Torah Hashem said, this is right, and this is wrong. History has borne out that Torah is an extremely positive way to live. We're here. Nobody else is here. We've been here for 3,500 years, and no one else is alive, and, and, it's, and, and no civilization. America, as I remember it, and its values no longer exists. The word family has now become a four-letter word. The, the, it, it doesn't. It's it's, a, it's it's degrading. It's demeaning. It it's it it, it, it doesn't. Those, the values come and shift. We're here with our values. So I can't. There's no rational explanation why. I, I mean, you can explain why if a society it wouldn't work. But if two people want to do something and both agree and both are very happy with it, so the Torah says it's us. Awesome. I have to live with it. So A I, if I can. Most people. I mean, I've spoken privately with people. Most people, being attracted to a male is not a problem. Most people are attracted to a shish. Nobody has any problem being attracted to a shish, and yet it's, it's So, And again, I said, if even everybody consents, all four sides consent, it doesn't make a difference. The Torah, and that's how we treat Torah. Like we said, like we spoke before about treating it as a science. It is. This is this asr. There are people who I think must be, there, there, there must be a small group of people that can only, maybe they can't, it's a tragedy. I don't know the answer. What about somebody who's born a Mamza, and as much as halakhically you, you're able to be mapped to many Mamza, what if there's a single person now? I don't know. It, these are, what if people are born, if you ever take time to visit hospitals, where people, Alin, like I, I once had a child just, you know, for uh, orthopedic reasons, but Alin is a hospital not in, in your slime. For, you know, people that are basically committed, they have severe, they're born with severe physical impediments that they, they're basically institutionalized. What's their life about? I don't know the answer. I don't know. I, I don't, I can't answer what I can, but the only thing is that, in, that there's a in that life. There are, I do believe, there's a small percentage of people that struggle because they can only have homosexual relations. So, he, maybe he can never get married, I don't know. But, but it does, that, the fact that, that it's tragic. So, for most people, I think, if they understand, I am attracted to a man more than a woman. Many people, and, and, and I've begun to see it, I think it's been suppressed because they don't like the idea that people who are attracted to men can also attract to women. But, at the end of the day, um, I do believe most people can be, can, can be attracted or sufficient enough to have a family, family life. They prefer men. Torres said no. You know, it's the same way like you prefer a woman doesn't want you. So, tough luck. You know, understanding that, w- 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 if that, that the drives that God gave us need to be met, but it, just like a person who's stuck in a place where there's no kosher food, but. Tuna fish and matzah, and he's got to live a month on tuna fish and matzah. Not pleasant to live a month on tuna fish and matzah, even if it's streitz matzah or Manish matzah, not pleasant, you know. It, it, and you know, but, but at the end of the day, that's that's part of, of, of the Torah and understanding that a person. And I think if, if we would start with the, the world today, starts a person who's attracted to man. You're doing an avla by telling him to to, to try to be attracted to a woman. I firmly disagree. Part of believing in Torah is a firm disagreement with that. Um, Is it possible other people who can never be attracted to women, only men? I I think it's possible. Uh, I think it it exists. I think it's a much, much smaller percentage. I I always wonder about people who are open to LGB. B is bisexual. So a person is attracted to men and women? And So what's the point about that? So, but he'd prefer a man over a woman. He happens to be in love with this man more than that woman. It's, so, I mean, that's... we believe that, that the Torah is an, an absolute emiss. We, we do need to sympathize with people who are going through struggles, just like people who have struggles in a riot. We need to, to, to state what's right is right. We need to understand sometimes people are trapped in addictions, that people are trapped in different areas, but it never makes wrong into the right. I think that's an important piece to, to remember. Any other? Yes?
1: I think part of the question was, but what happens after we um, stumble?
2: After you stumbled, you pick yourself up, you shake off the dust, and you move on. And um, understand that the Nisoyen of, uh, when you have Yitzhah Horeb as strong, I, 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 there's a famous verse, it's said different ways <coughs> for different people. It says that by Acher, a Basque came out and said, Tshuva b'anjavavim, except for Acher. His Nisoyen, there's no such thing, Shuba helps for every single being in the world. His Nisoyen was to go ahead even after having stumbled. I've, I've had connection with people, I just recently sat a f- three, four weeks ago, I sat with a group of people in a rehab place. And rehab places have many times when a person stumbles and part of the understanding is I will stumble and I'll pick myself up and keep going. And yes, our, we need to understand many years ago People got married young. People worked very hard physically. And there was very little outside exposure. They didn't have billboard, billboards, I'm, I'm dating myself. They didn't, they didn't have pictures, screens, stuff like that. So keeping kedusha fully was reasonable. Today, we don't get married till we're in our 20s, at least. We, we don't, we're not overworked and everybody here thinks they're overworked yeshiva and, and the, you know it's, it's, it's like Mitzrayim and, and Sibyl's Mitzrayim but I assure you you're not overworked. There's plenty of downtime and, and, it's, and you can see everything and anything you want whenever you want it. So for us to strive for 100% Kedusha it, it's the impossible. For us to keep making steps we will get credit for the steps. So if a person decides the best thing, there are two things or three things that the Raman points out are the best. First thing is draw back from being exposed. It's one thing when a person's been aroused. It's another thing when don't... If you know that this type of book is, is, is you know, preys on your worst instincts then step back from that. There's, there's a famous saying, I think it's the, the Shreem says it avu Taiva doesn't mean they had a craving. They, they wanted to have a craving. They, they, were, they, they had a taiva for a taiva. We read a book in order to get a taiva. That, you, that your person can hold back from looking. So that's, those are steps you can do. The second thing is a person, the Rambam says, the Yehurya Arias are found in a heart that's empty of Chachma. In yeshiva, in, in the literature yeshiva world that I grew up in, in the Chassidish world, they talked a lot about Kedusha and so on. In the, in the Lutvish world, they talked less about it. And they spoke more about getting a fire and a passion learning. The Zohar HaKadosh says, Why did the Chachamim not get together and cancel the Yitzhara of Arayis? Even though the Gemara does speak about it, the Zohar has a different answer. <coughs> the Zohar says, If not for Yitzhara, Ched v'shot the Shmai There'd be no joy of learning. You walk into a base yeshivah, and it's bubbling and boiling, and people are screaming at each other. And no, and that the energy of a person, the passions, get harnessed something else. That's the most positive antidote. It's express it expresses passion energy. The Zohar says that those two passions sit on the same pleasure center in a person's brain. And if we do one, I'll, let me tell you, I, uh, many years ago, it was Israel's. 50th birthday, and this was 48 years t- to Israel's independence. So it's two years before that. I walked out of Mirabe Smedrish. Mirabe Smedrish in the morning is an awesome place. I mean, it's just jam-packed with sound and, and you know, it's, it's overbooked, and it was, it was a, it's an amazing place. I walked out, and there was a journalist for a Philadelphia newspaper who started a study about Israel, he was going to write a major piece about Israel two years before, to, to be public that it's 50th Independence Day. He was a guy, never seen anything, and he was doing the religious community and somehow he had gotten to Meir Shiva. he was standing out in the hallway looking into the basement, and he was froze, like he'd never seen anything like it. And he asked me, he said, he says, tell me do they, do they ever come to blows or not? Do, do they ever get into fights? Like It looked to him like in, in a minute or so there would be punches flying all over the place and people, there would be blood and police and stuff like that. And, and I told him, no. Of, what? <laughs> 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 I guess they knew where to send them. Um, and you know what? That type of energy is an appropriate energy. So, the Rambam's antidote one more thing, and the Rambam says. The Rambam says, the not points out at the end of Yisui Biyah three things, two I've told you, and one is Yichud. The Rambam says, the way to stop doing something you don't want to do, is don't get yourself into trouble in the first place. Don't allow yourself to be in a place where you can do something that you don't want to do. So Yichud, he says, those are the things he points out. It's worth going through the Rambam point by point. The, the, the Rambam drama hits the nail on the head for every generation and look at it, those are things so again, doing things first of all, understanding the, the philosophy of it, understanding what Kedush is two, refraining from getting yourself, from, from doing things that, that arouse you that, that sort of that, that tease the appetite get involved in learning in a, in a, in a passionate way and in a heated way and don't ever allow yourself to be in a situation. If somebody that you're very attracted to, it's wonderful to meet in a restaurant, to meet in a private place is asking for trouble. It's, a, it's an isser, and it's, there, nobody has the brakes powerful enough to stop himself. Those are the areas that, that, that we have. And, and it's been, again, the approach of the litvish Shivas was much more to focus on the positive instead of the guilt and the are and all things. It, it, it was a chinuch approach.
1: Okay.
2: Yes? So that's good if you're sincere. The one, the, it, certainly a person who struggled and won is a much better place. Um, the problem is, is sometimes it becomes an excuse. In other words, I'll become a baal I'll do that various now and become a Baltchuva latest. later. So that's something to be aware of. But certainly, if you had to struggle with it, and you become a stronger person, Hashkoch is that you're a much, you have a lot, it's, it's like, you know, it's like the difference between a person who lives in a first world country, and that was exposed to disease, to a person who was exposed to disease, suffered it, and got better, he's immune for life, and his body can resist it. We start with where proper placed us. Where this is the time and place we got placed. And you know, and, and then um, it, w- w- if we make the best of it, we will be stronger people for it. That's a good point. Yes. Yes. Just to come on two questions:
1: Is it more difficult with a wedding?
2: So, it, I would feel very strongly that that's much worse than to a reform place because you're, you're affirming something that the Torah said is Aser. In, in other words, you're participating in that is a statement that what the Torah said is wrong. So just like, for instance, um, you know, an event, it's one thing when you have an event where people are Mechal Shabbos. It's another thing where the event is Hechal Shabbos. So, and, and in my mind, I, I can't see a place where that A person has to stand up for his principles and say, I believe, I, I'm not, I, I know that you think differently, I respect you as a person, but this is something that for me, it's, it's absolutely wrong. It's just like going to a Christian service. I can respect Christians. I can think they're well-intentioned, but walking into a Christian service and participating in it is, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding that um, but, but I'm saying, in terms of the statement, that this is also something. So, so, so to me, that's something that's extremely uh, wrong. Even a family member. Even a family member. I, I, you know, it's, it, unfortunately it's This is where I've gotten the Shiloh many times. So, it, it, to participate, it's the same way like participating at an intermarriage. It, it, you know, it, when you tell a person, listen, you need sometimes even to a family person, I love you. I'll do anything for you, you need. You can't ask from me to give up my life for you. For me, this is so profoundly against what I believe in that I that that I need to I can't. Um if somebody were to make a wedding on Shabbos, which is only a abundant really, you you wouldn't attend it because you would feel I, I can't be a party it's one thing when somebody drives to the Shul. Sure. It's one thing where, where, where the Chil Shabbos is the core of what's happening. You you need to be able, and it's again, these are terrible situations, um, difficult situations, but you need to be able to tell the person, I, it's, it's the choice that you're making that's wrong to me, and just as if this is the most meaningful thing in your life, to- Torah and Hashem's mitzvahs are the most meaningful thing in my life. You can't ask me, to come f- f- a, to, to a, a mixed wedding, because this is the most important thing in your life. Well, I would give up my life for this, so don't ask me to do something that, that I can't do. I, I think in that sense you, you have to be able to make that statement. And I know it's a terrible, I, I've, I get these questions, and, and I know it's heart-wrenching, but I've gotten questions when somebody intermarries and the mother is torn apart, the siblings are torn apart, it's rough but at some point the person is able to say, is able to get the message, I don't reject you. You're always welcome to me, but to participate in something which I think is chol nafshecha, I can't. Yes.
1: Uh, I know before before someone becomes geir or giyoris, sort of discouraged. But then after after someone becomes a geir or giyoris, is it like what's the reaction to it? Is it more of a proud, is it a noble thing? And then one step further, if someone becomes a Ger, and then, you know, isn't the, the most noble Jew in the world? Is it like a regret that that happens It's just what sort of, what's the reaction to so, the... So,
2: okay, first of all, le- let me point you to, there's a letter from the Rambam to a Gerat Sedek, to Ger it said, It's an extraordinary letter. In general, the Rambam's letters, he has two types. There's his long letters like epistles of sorts, that's, lear- that's learnable, that's... But his shorter letters express tremendous amount of his a human sign reaction. There was a said called Avadia HaGer who asked him <coughs> about saying okay, if have a senu. <coughs> he asked him a whole bunch of shaylas, And he also said that I had an argument with my Rebbe about whether or not Muslims are over the My Rebbe said that the throwing the rocks on the Mount Arafat is a p'chin of, of, of Markulis and something else he does like Baal Pa'or something else they're I said not and he called me an idiot. Um, what does the Raman think? That's a letter. It's printed. Um, read Shalat's Shil- edition of the letters that are the best edition. So the Raman first of all goes through that luxury. He says Avraham Avinu is the father of everyone who came to understand Akadosh Baruch Hu. He, he's the of, of everyone that was not of Liboy. And you certainly are a proud son of Avraham Avinu. of Avaseinu. Then he writes an argument with his Rebbe. He says, first of all, you're right 100% halachically. Muslims are not of the desert, it's nonsense. But he said, I wonder, was your Rebbe drunk off his raka when he said this to you? A person who the Torah gave us 35 mitzvahs to love and so on, and he he, he called you a fool? He says, I, I can't believe that a sane and learned person would say that. And he said, a fool, somebody that dropped his family and everything that he had because of in the MS, that's a Chacham tzaddik, and he enlists a bunch of titles that he feels should be ascribed to. It's a very powerful letter. Having said that, we do have to understand, so definitely on um, the there's 35 mitzvahs, you know, to, 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 after this again, you also need to recognize sometimes the problems and issues. It's, it, a person can convert, but he's from a different culture, it's not always easy to acclimate. There are problems. The Gemara, when Gemara mentions things that are not complementary, it's because it's very hard for a person to change into from A to B. It's a process, and in that process it's not easy. You know, it's never easy because you can make a decision when you're very inspired. And that's why we schlep out gamers. But sometimes it does come. So on, objectively, on, on an objective level, there are issues. The overriding halacha is to embrace the person. If he did it in his halacha care, we embrace the person. We also recognize sometimes there are problems and, and it's going to take a lot of help and, hand, and hand-holding. and Yes?
1: Can you eat at someone's house whose family doesn't keep kosher?
2: You can tell them, I would love to eat with you together. Let me tell you what I can eat. Um, I can drink water. I can have cold fruit. Um, and, but I want to, you know, if, if,
0: if you I think... Like
1: a, like a family in the community, like a family just doesn't... Like a what? Like a, like a family in
0: the community that doesn't always keep kosher in there. Some Somebody else asked about a family that keeps kosher at home, they'll eat at it non-kosher restaurants.
2: So you tell them, you know, you feel uncomfortable about it, and, you know, they might have bought stuff in a restaurant, even if they're careful. Logically, you, you can't trust a person um, if he eats not kosher, so, again, you can sometimes, if it's a pressing situation, certain things, you, you, you can eat matzah, you, you know, if it's a cold piece of gefilte fish from a can or a jar on a plate, that even if they weren't careful, if, if there are really pressing needs, you know, family, community, stuff like that, you, you need to go through the nitty-gritty and find where you could get, where you could, where you could go where behalacha, in general, you can tell people, you know, I just feel comfortable eating, you know, people that are there. I trust you, I know this, but but I'm going to, I want to come to you, I'll come to you, and so on. It, it, you get a lot more, I mean, a lot of times you get the worse problems when people, you know, you have balichuva and the parents say, well, it at home for you. It, so, if, so you do take, what you do is you need to have a shofar one hand and go through all the details. What's, What's achshash rochok? What's okay? What can be makel? <laughs> there's a shofarok that tells you when you can be makele for serious you need to be makel, But if you don't need to, then the person shouldn't. The person should understand when he's, when he's pushing the envelope because you need to. And again, halacha, there's room for that. There's need for that. But, but you, in general, it, mo- most people inadvertently do something they shouldn't do. It's very hard to keep kosher really properly if if you're not relevant to it. You can't take it as sincerely as, as when you do it all the time. I have another question to I. I have to go to any... Uh, yes.
0: Yes. Um, when you say not kosher, does that mean like mom is someone who eat bacon or even like a sub standard of kosher? They wouldn't eat bacon, but they
1: don't really keep the much. So,
2: so it doesn't... It, it, it depending... That's what I was saying. If it's very relevant, if it's very pressing, you can sit down and ask yourself, what are the problems? Um, what are the things that, that they, you know, w- what are they cooking, where are they cooking it? You know, you need to start working with nitty-gritty. Usually, you have to ask yourself what are the shots likely to occur? Um, what are the type of products, are they making on cheeses and wines? Those are. Th- if, if, the, if, the, if there's an urgent reason for it, you need to sit down with somebody and go through the possibilities. I'd say it's not impossible, but even people keep a so-called sub orthodox is, is he using stuff with gelatin It is not using, what's the common things that they use that you would be very uncomfortable? What are the things that, that could be the problems and, and what's relevant? Sometimes if, if, if they're serving a, a, a cold sandwich, may or may not be a problem. So saying one area of my problem is checking vegetables, checking lettuce, so people us are the most cultural thing, but they're not. You know, so I'm saying those things require sitting down with somebody, Bene going through the checklist of issues, seeing what's the pressing reason for eating there, and then go through piece by piece. There's no other answer. What about to
0: be insulted if you like if you if you
2: So listen, let, let me ask something. If if a person, God forbid, is diabetic, he has no problem saying you know what, I know you're going to be careful with the sugar, but somebody doesn't live with diabetes, doesn't know what it is to weigh the grams and look at the sugar, I don't want to impose it on you. And you know, usually the best listeners say is, I'm going to go in, it's an imposition. Let's, I want to be with you, I want to... Sh-. I'll tell you, it was a we have a guy who lives across the street, uh, uh, an African-American, a wonderful person. And he loved to communicate, you know, people offered to buy his house and he says, it's the most beautiful community, I'd never, I'd never want to move out. And he's a wonderful person they had his birthday something, he wanted to invite everybody for a barbecue. So, Evan knows, the next to Eisenstadt's, Johnson's. So, um, the, the next driver said, you know what, we'll make the barbecue, you'll be the host, you'll stand there and cut the meat, but we'll do it on us, and then we'll solve all the problems. That's how we did it. And he was very honored, very happy. He understood, he said, to explain to you all the details, you're not going to be happy, we're not going to be happy. You come to us, Tell me what you'd like to serve we'll buy it for you we'll set everything up you stand with the apron and and give out and it'll be your barbecue it was wonderful very fine person and, 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 and you know he was honored he said it's complicated Allah, don't bother with it i know jews are harder than going on this one i know <laughs> yes
0: um there are some communities that um don't allow converts within the community due to the, due to the <laughs> negative effects which
2: they could possibly have on their children? Yes. So so let me tell you the real reason why they don't allow. I'll, I'll tell you what the real reason is. The community was so... What happened was everybody went out, found themselves a very attractive secretary, and decided it's no problem, we'll just convert her. They felt that it had become so endemic the issue, with conversion being an easy path for it, that they came down very hard on that. that that's the real reason for community. Everything else is, uh, you know, the, the, the community is a very attractive community. It's it's people who are successful in business, good looking, very very mutzalach people, and th- they found that that if you allow people to convert, it, it will become just hefker. So, so they, they made that tacan. That's the that's the reason for it. Yes, one more
1: question. Uh, I know we're, we're running out of time, but maybe you can address the second question. Of, uh, uh, said, like, a few people have been of contact with the second question. Okay,
2: so, so let, let's explain. Tfiloh used to be the easiest way to connect a Baruch And one of the reasons is, Rabbi Einstein in Tulles once said that in the old days, everybody had so many problems that when they heard L is coming, all you needed to do was just t- to give permission to cry and sobbing was very easy everybody was burdened with tons of problems and you know it, it, it didn't require much when you have a house full of older kids who aren't married your panossa you know, is everyday you know what's happening the goyim the, the are having pogroms every other day so of course tefillah comes very easy I mean thank god we have things easy but. Then the natural means for tefillah <coughs> is is not the natural stimulus for tefillah is absent. So on the one hand, it's a problem. On the other hand, it means, like like the mark said about balat it means we need to reach deeper to ourselves to think about tefillah. Again, these type of things need some some s- self reflection. No, it means between yourself, nature, and Akharis Baruch not connect in any way. A person needs to reflect, does my life have meaning? How do I connect to HaKadosh Baruch Talking is the primary way of connection. If a person's davening, if his sense was, this is the way, there's no other way to connect to HaKadosh Baruch as profoundly as Tvila. By affirming that HaKadosh Baruch is what keeps me going and alive. When we ask all these things HaKadosh Baruch it's one thing if a person has no parnassa and he says, Baruch aleinu. Okay, I get that. When a person has Baruch Hashem and three times a day he says, you know, there's nothing automatic about it. I need you to keep giving me Parnassah. If I'm able to have a lifestyle that allows me to be comfortable and do the things I want to do, it's because you keep giving it. If I'm healthy and, and walking around and energetic, it's because you give me. The fact that Kalal is spread out all over and we're assimilating out at horrendous rates. The Gadol, is, so first thing, a person needs to build up a perception of what tefillah will be like. It's a communication, that shuts everybody else out but me and Hashem. When I'm learning, I'm learning with like Kavrusa and I'm thinking about something that Baruch wants to think. Tefillah is direct. And so at Davin, we need to make a circle around ourselves to sort of shut things out and to learn to express ourselves in the words. It's a process. If you're waiting for philip to bang you over the head and make you inspired, nothing in Yiddishkeit does that. I'll, I'll maybe just finish with an anecdote uh, story, not an anecdote. Um, a friend of mine went to Yeshiva together with me. He came not from, he drifted out. Unfortunately, those days didn't call off the derch. Those days, it was the other way around. Those people that stuck sort of uh, w- 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 had a name. They, they, they were on the derech. Off the derech was where everybody was. The question was how many got onto the derech. But he you was know, a very nice guy. Many years after I came to me, yeshiva, he dropped in. And he said he was here. And he said, um, you know, I didn't feel anything. So I told him a word that I once heard from Shamshon Fall Weiss. He was um, he was the executive director of the OU a big Talmud Chacham, Adam Chachashev a very special person he said mm-hmm. it says my Maishu when he saw the snet. this week's parashat we, we ended up in Parashat Shavu again he he's, I, I said, Kaddish Parcher said, Maishu, he said, he named me he said, Shalom Aleichem Kaddishu take your shoes off because it's Kaddish so he asked, I don't stand if it was us to stand there the first thing that Kachbarshu yelled out is "shoes off," and then he should have introduced himself: Moisha, Hashem, Moyshe, Hashem." That's that. Why didn't he, Why did he first say Moyshe? He says, "Yes, okay, get your shoes off." So he said, "Until Moshe said he it was not a ma'akum Kaddish If I give you a muscle, the outlets in the wall here, wherever they are, the outlets in the wall carry a lot, a lot, a lot of energy. Nothing is coming out from there. Because there's nothing hooked into it, unless you hook in something that will allow the current to flow through it, the, the, all that energy stays in the wall. Thank God, doesn't doesn't radiate out. The kaisal is a place where you you have tremendous hashras hashchina if you say hinei. A kaddish who doesn't bless you, a kaddish who when you open up, in cuts was a famous that stressed emis and personal emis. And Akats Kachas had met somebody else and he asked him, tell me something that Kutz taught you. That's a core message. So he said, let me ask you a question. Where does Hashem exist? He says, what do you mean? Everywhere. In Kutz, they taught us, it's wherever you open up a door, let him in. In other words, the philosophical idea of Akats Kachas everywhere is meaningless to you. <coughs> He'll come into your life when you choose to let in. A person first his bonus needs to be, I am an empty person unless I have ruchness in my life. If you haven't gotten to that point, nothing's coming in. If you're stuffed up to here and there's nothing missing, there's nothing going to be able to come in. The, the first Musa that a person needs to learn is to think about, you know, I have everything, but where is the nishama of me? Where's the core of me? What, are, what in me is core and shamadik and not physical and, and, and common to all of, of mankind? When a person makes that step, tefillah is the first thing, and if a person says, I'm facing Ganesh Baruch I'm conversing with him. I'm telling him what he's giving, what I need, and so on. That's, it's a process. But the, the central process to anything is, unless you feel empty, nothing can get in there. If you don't open up a door, the first thing is to be misboning that a life has no value and tachlis is a meaningless life. And when a person begins to feel emptiness, that's when a person is able to. That's when is can start It's been extremely engaging. I. Know it's an amazing olam in terms. Of, yeah.
1: One second. I may be the only one in the room. But Fifty years ago, I had the good to know your father, and he was in charge. of and Daven, the dialist of the show, which is still there, and Lower East Side Willard Street. Yeah. And I just want to say one word. Paul, as you told me, my own and and yes.
2: Slabotkin's perfection
1: what he did Ashray
2: Ravonica. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, regular cheer now, regular cheer. <laughs> back to back to the whole of the Thank
1: you I'm the very much.